0: Welcome to Navigating Neurodivergence with me, Stefan Glazer. If you don't know what this podcast and my whole mantra of Navigating Neurodivergence is about, really at the base of it, it's about knowing that you are not alone in your struggles with neurodivergence. Whether it's ADHD, OCD, dyslexia, the full gamut of neurodiverse dilemmas you are not alone in your struggles you're not alone in your conquests and triumphs that's what navigating neurodivergence is all about this is a place where people get to express what they went through how they made it through and where they're going as they strive with their neurodivergence so please enjoy your time here and listen to others that navigated their neurodivergence. My conversation today is with Anita Carr, my new Australian best friend. We talk a lot about her challenges growing up, uh, the difference between that, that understanding of ADHD and women and her later diagnosis in life, understanding how it happened and just we learned a lot also we learned about her writing in a collaborative book called unity which you need to check that out Um, please do yourself a favor head over to au and check out everything she has she is a fantastic writer and she has that beautiful Uh, chapter in that book, Unity, which is a tapestry of story to spark belonging, connection, and liberation. Uh, And she has a whole bunch of really fun things. You need to follow her on social media as well. Just a great time all around. So please enjoy this wonderful episode I have with Anita Carr. Before we get into today's episode, I have a few questions really quick. Do you want a free condensed copy of my book where you get free tools, three free tools? Do you want 33, yes, more threes, 33% off all prints from my photography gallery for life? And do you want free updates weekly on everything that I do with the whole navigating neurodivergence empire that I have? Well, guess what? you can get all that in one place go to navigatingneurodivergence.org and it has links to everything if you want to buy my book if you want to find all my social media find my photography uh sign up for the newsletter everything it has everything it's all at navigatingneurodivergence.org and now let's get on with the show Hello and welcome to another episode of Navigating Neurodivergence. Anita, I have you here today and I am excited to talk to you. How are you doing this lovely day?
1: I'm good. It is early in the morning over here. Well, early-ish, eight o'clock. So I'm (laughs) very ready to go at this point.
0: (laughs) Well, that's good. I am at the end of my day, but this is perfect. This is the perfect time to talk to me because I'm not so ultra high energy but i'm more smoothed out
1: <laughs> then
0: <laughs> yes uh, i got the, all the day's tasks done and here we are um it's so you uh, obviously you are in australia you're in uh perth is that right yes. Ah, yes i i actually have a uh relative that lives outside of melbourne which is other side of the country yes. for oh,
2: just lovely.
0: a <laughs> it's just a little a hop skip and a jump you know well, like a day and a half drive by car. <laughs> yeah, <from
1: you. laughs> only, hour, only a three to four hour plane trip though. So that's okay. Yeah,
0: yeah it's not bad then. But, yeah. um, you know, I when I saw your name pop up and I saw what you have done, I was like, oh, there's a lot of parallels going on here. So I always go back to when you were a kid. Mm-hmm. So obviously we had no idea that we were different did you have any problems when you were in school going about what you were doing in life like did you have like any academic problems or any other issues
1: uh no I wouldn't say academic issues I was very much a people pleaser so I was always trying my best I was always hyper-vigilant, hyper-alert to make sure that I was doing everything I was meant to be doing and that I, yeah, wasn't being told off for for doing something I shouldn't be doing. Um, Maths probably was uh, definitely a a subject I really struggled with. I just, and even still to this day, I just, I don't understand. (laughs) I do not get numbers. I... Um, and I think dysgraphia, I think, is the um, it, is a term that can be yeah, used for people with ADHD.
0: Yeah, that that's one. I, I actually have um, what oh, they call dyscalculia, which is so oh, okay. <laughs> fun to say. Um, it's uh, yeah, it, it's it's strange. I, I have a very mild form of it, and ADHD. They, there's a intersection of a lot mm-hmm. of us that have it. Um, I talked to somebody who has. It doesn't have ADHD, but has like full-blown dyscalculia. (laughs) And like I said, I I love that. (laughs) Yeah. I always say number dyslexia, even though that's not what it is. Love Um,
2: that.
0: Yeah. And I I was telling her, I was like, oh, because of my ADHD, I was able to get the basic math much easier because I could recognize patterns
2: Mm, and
0: seeing the shapes and Understanding how they worked, and I was like, Oh, those shapes make these shapes, and that's the number eight. Okay, that makes now all these. So, math took me like 10 times as long to learn, yes. But you know, since I worked so hard at it, I was like, Okay, I can get this. And then they started adding letters to it, and I said, I- oh, No why? more.
1: Why? <laughs> I just don't understand. And yeah. when do we use it now? When do we use no. algebra every day? Do we? No, never. Why?
0: I- there was one time where I was about to use algebra and then I found an app what? on my phone to why? do it for me.
1: <laughs> why? Why? Okay. I need to know why we were about to use algebra. I've never heard that sentence in my uh, life. <laughs> it,
0: it's, it's so strange. I was looking at a flower bed and I, okay. I looked at it and I went, okay, this flower bed is so big by so long, but I need to put two inches of mulch in it. <laughs> And I was like, oh my God, my brain just went, oh no, I'm doing algebra. What is this? And I was like, oh, uh, uh, I started panicking. I was like, hold on. And I went online and found like a mulch calculator. I was like, oh, perfect. It's uh 20 feet wide and four feet long and I need two inches deep. And I was like, oh, there it goes. I need this much.
1: <laughs> I love that you just recognize that you needed algebra. i my brain would not even recognize algebra, even if you you know say it was putting front of me so go you
0: yeah it it was it was it was a panic like (laughs) I I think it was the trauma of not being able to to do the math growing up it just came flooding back like oh no this is algebra yes oh
2: goodness
0: but uh, yeah I I love those parallels just because when I talk to people that especially that have ADHD and don't find out till later in life they Mm. they're like if it's not hyperactive it's Mm. this feeling of like i'm doing the best i can but i'm not raising any red flags because i'm actually getting by and doing okay
1: exactly and i think as a female as well i think obviously when we were growing up so i'm 40 now it adhd or add as they um, used to call it you know, it was very much for boys. It was for mm-hmm. hyperactive boys, naughty boys. It was around behaviour, bad behaviour. Yeah. And it was a very negative association. And, and I've written about this a few times before where the symptoms of ADHD for girls or women are actually just um, like characteristics that are associated with women anyway. Mm. Yeah. Uh, like you know, being forgetful, being chatty, you know, being a bit scattered, uh, you know, being emotional—all those kind of things. So, you know, it's just associated with oh, you're, you know, you're just a, you're just a woman, you're just a girl. <laughs> so, it, you know, so it, it was really hard, and I suppose you know, people still do find it hard now to get a diagnosis because it almost feels like in your own mind that you're going crazy like that who's mm. going to believe you because yeah people are saying to you oh well that's normal or, that's just been a you know a woman or a girl or yeah, yeah. so it's, wow. it's it's hard and and yeah being younger I mean I you know used to be chatty all of my you know reports were uh you know talks too much in in class or um <laughs> if, if she only um oh what's Tried the harder? word yeah, tried harder. What's the word? Um, oh, I can't think of the word now. But yeah, basically that. Just you know, concentrated on what she was doing and and got it done. Then you know, then she would be so much better. That's
0: yeah, I I, I I got that a lot. That um, if I only applied myself more. Applied,
1: I think
2: that was the word. Yeah.
0: Yes. Yeah, I used to get that and try harder. You know, those <laughs> those things were a commonplace for me growing up too. It was it was strange because not hyperactive.
2: Mm, I have, mm-hmm.
0: I have, um, I mean, I have some hyperactive tendencies. I, like I do have some like stimming issues and sensory issues, but nothing same. that's out of like, I'm not bouncing off the walls.
1: Mm, yes.
0: I'm here, <laughs> but I, um, I had all the other problems that came with the inattentive cause I have severe inattentive ADHD and mm-hmm. I would have these these problems in class of of course if it was boring i would just do whatever but or i would stim and get it like audibly like yes. they'd be able to talk and they're like are you sitting there like shaking your leg for or scribbling for like mm-hmm. you should be taking notes i'm like no if i take notes i'm not gonna retain any of this and yes no one understood that
1: <laughs> there's so, no knowledge
0: yeah there there really wasn't um because like you said it, it if you weren't bouncing off the walls you know male or female they they just kind of off you know they wrote it off as oh, just a little weird kid or quirky or you know uh-huh. the the, mi- the myriad of different things that they would call us um
2: yeah but
0: i i, I always find it interesting that especially with most females get that same it's like the same feeling of like i'm supposed to be like this question with all the question marks like that's not Mm -hmm. this doesn't seem like it should be a thing like could you stop telling me that Uh, it's been like a a a thread that's been connecting everyone that i've had on that, that was diagnosed later in life it's like the signs were there but no one saw them or knew them for that matter so i and i always kind of go from getting through high school because there's always a point in our lives for me being diagnosed i was diagnosed at 39 and when you were finally diagnosed how did that happen like how did you come to get a diagnosis
1: same way as I think most uh, women are tending to be diagnosed these days, which is one of their children is diagnosed. So my son, he's currently in year five, but was in year two at the time. Uh, he was just struggling at school. Again, has inattentive ADHD, not hyperactive at all, you know, tendencies, but not at all. His Quiet, reserved you know he's not into sport is you know more into kind of you know technology and uh but he just really was struggling with his reading and writing and a lot of things and he was really below average and I had noticed I think you know in pre-primary I don't know I don't think it's called pre-primary for you over there uh but yeah. so like around the age of you know like four
0: Yeah, it's called Um, preschool, actually. Yeah,
1: preschool, (laughs) yes, yes, yes. Yeah, there you go. So uh, I noticed anxiety starting to to creep up in him. I was biting his nails um, before, you know, the Christmas concert and things. I could see him, you know, biting his nails or kind of, you know, fidgeting kind of a bit and and I could see that starting and it continued on for the next few years. So that was probably the first indicator, I I think, um, for him. But... Um, yeah, he was just really struggling at school. No one else, no other teachers really picked it up. And as a mother, I was like, no, something's just not not right. So I decided to look into it a bit more um, and that's where we uh, did some testing and, and that's where it came out that he had the inattentive ADHD. We did something called a whisk test. I, I don't know if that's um, is an equivalent or the same, over there, where they test all of your kind of cognitive function. They do a range of like um, quizzes or, you know, puzzle kind of a things and they figure out, you know, your working memory, executive function, all of that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The, the, I, you know, I, I don't know if they have the specific name because I I knew when I took my, my, Di- to get my diagnosis the testing i had to do was like the cruelest joke ever just because it was like 600 and something questions that were all relatively similar <laughs>
1: the adhd it... diagnosis is not adhd friendly like why no. why people <laughs>
0: oh no it's not at all it's so it's it was this it was i've never been like so like angry at something before i was like why are you doing this to me
1: like that should just be the test in itself like if if somebody either forgets to do it is overwhelmed to do it is confused by it forgets to go to their appointment just diagnose <laughs> the person Like <laughs> why why put us through this oh my god
2: yeah yeah
0: yeah that's, <laughs> that would have been so much easier because i yes. i was definitely very late to the appointment too i was just like <laughs> i showed up and he's like you were supposed to be here at two and i was like I was.
1: In my brain, it was another time.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, when, when you find out, hey, my child has ADHD, did the light bulb go off? And you went, maybe I should <laughs> go look into this?
1: Not straight away. I... um me being the person that I am I'm very curious I love information I love finding out about things and so of course I delve straight into you know into what ADHD was and how it impacts you and all these things because I wanted to obviously help help my son and while obviously doing that there was a few things I was like oh that's sounding familiar and we, I had had um, a session with um, the psychologist who did the testing on him, uh, and we were just having a chat about it. And I just, you know, randomly said to her, "Oh, you know, I probably have it too. It sounds like me." And, and she's like, mm, yeah. "Maybe, maybe you do. Maybe you should look into that a little bit more." And I'm like, "Oh, okay." I kind of <laughs> said it as a as a joke, and then it kind of hit me, and I was like, "Okay." And to be honest, it, and I think a lot of people probably do go through this. But I think because I was diagnosed at a time where it was um, for adults, was only just becoming, you know, something that they were starting to look at. Whereas now, you know, three years later, you know, it's so there's so much more awareness around it. So I think um, I had this real denial period. and some i've read somewhere that it's like imposter syndrome that you have adhd it's like you're talking yourself out of it because like no 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 like you know that i i don't do that that bad or no that's not you know that's not how that is and yeah so i really went through that that i was like no 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 And about a year it took me about a year to actually be like you know what anita yeah i think you really do (laughs) (laughs)
0: yeah I, i i always feel like um I still feel that imposter syndrome sometimes because uh developing ways to mitigate and, and work with my ADHD. Yes. It's just like, oh, I can do this. And then like when I get into the routine of doing it and it's not a hindrance anymore, and I can actually move forward, I'm like, maybe I don't have ADHD. And then my wife will look at me and she goes, What the hell are you doing? I was just like Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not a normal thing to do a simple task the way I do it. It's, it's completely off.
1: Yes. I know. I, now that I know that I have it. Yeah. I don't ever doubt it ever. Like there's just, uh, yeah, I see it all the time, <laughs> but like you say, once you, I think learn about it and you do start putting strategies in place. And also I think just being accepting of it. I think for me is the the biggest thing because there is so much shame surrounding it and so many things that we struggle with to society in general. it It isn't normal and it, there is shame attached to it. Like for me, I am messy. I always have been messy and that is something that I have had shame placed on me from my mum, from my ex-husband, just, you know, Family in general, and that was something that I really have struggled with. And now I live on my own, but I live you know with my children. But I now just do things the way I want to do them, rather mm-hmm. than the way that I was told to do them. Like as an example, and I use this example all the time. Uh, but you know, we're told, and especially as women, you know, we fold all of our clothes. So you know, you wash the clothes you dry the clothes you're not meant to forget that the clothes are in the washing machine (laughs) you're only meant to wash them once not like two or three times but anyway (laughs) different story Uh, but the folding I always struggled with the folding and also keeping them folded in the drawer like it it, and again it was like a source of anxiety and it stressed me out and it, it just and I think with a lot of things, it's like this feeling of this doesn't work for me, like this isn't right for me, but it's almost like this barrier that you, you're forced to push through it because society tells you you need to do it that way. Mm-hmm. And once I realised that I don't, I, I, my brain does not deal with folding, I rummage, I'm a rummager. So I then decided that I was going to stop folding clothes, my clothes, the kids' clothes, and so I got baskets and I now, my clothes are now in baskets. So I have a top basket for short sleeves, a, t- a basket for long sleeves, a basket for skirts, and I rummage. Yeah. And even now to this day, my mum will come over and there's a basket of clothes. She starts folding them. And I've told her so many times, I don't fold anymore, mum. You don't need to fold, but she still does it because she does not <laughs> doesn't agree with it, she, you know, <laughs> thinks that it's not right and so yeah. she can still do it. But, yeah, for me it just doesn't work for me and I've accepted that and I'm okay with that. I don't, even though she might, you know, tut, tut and, you know, roll her eyes or whatever <laughs> at me, I don't care because it's my house, it's my life, it works yeah. for me and I'm going to do it my way rather than before me feeling so horrible and wanting to please her and wanted to do the right thing and well everybody else does it that way so I should be doing it that way too why why can't i do it yeah. and just this negative self talk who cares <laughs> who cares yeah,
0: that that was you know my entire life until my diagnosis was getting that that shame and frustration of not being able to do it the quote unquote right way, even mm-hmm. though the way I did it worked for me and got to the same result that yes. people were yes. looking for. So it's like, even with the, the, the clothes thing, it's like, for me, I, I look at people that can fold their clothes and it's like perfectly folded <laughs> and it looks beautiful. I'm just like that congratulations Mm -hmm. that's a skill i do not possess and i fold my clothes but here's what happens is they're folded generally folded only for compacting yeah yeah one of those like (laughs) just so i can make a pile of them that i can then tilt on its side and put in the drawer that is this is my t-shirt drawer and like same thing with like the Everything is folded to be compact, not folded for the sake of folding it like a store. I I could never, Um, that's not, that's not a thing. And people, you know, even I remember in college, all these years ago, people go like, why don't you fold your laundry? I was like, I do. They're like, no, you're supposed to take it and you fold it over this way and this way. I'm like, no, that doesn't work for me. I was like, in the seconds that I put it in the drawer, it's going to become unfolded anyway, because exactly. I know, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to look for something, and then it's just going to cause more work. So
1: I see I find the my waste own of time.
0: Yeah,
2: exactly. So, so,
1: so, and and again, I don't know if this is an ADHD thing. I think about this often, but talking about a waste of time, which is actually kind of funny when you think about it, because our our ability to keep on time or know how long things are going to take. Just that whole time blindness um, is funny. But I'm always trying to find ways to make more time or the Mm -hmm. quicker, you know, like to multitask to, you know, make sure that I'm saving time, not wasting time. Uh, you know, as an example, if I am, you know, tidying up the, the house and there's things that need to be put away, my brain will automatically go, okay, I'm going to pick that thing up because I can put that away on the way to putting that thing away and then <laughs> while I'm there I can do that. And then so it's like I'm always trying to think of the the, the easiest or the most kind of logical way for me to almost save time. It, I don't know. Is that... <laughs>
0: I I um I love that you said this just because <laughs> there's been ma- that
1: before. So I'm I'm glad
0: <laughs> there's been many times where I will see a group of things in the room that I know I have to put away. Like you said, and my wife goes, "What are you doing? Grabbing all of them?" I was like, "Well, I know if I grab all of what? them, I can put this one in the room as I pass it. This one goes in the next room, and this one goes in the bathroom." and she's like just do it one at a time I'm like no because nope. what's going to happen is i'm going to grab the one thing i'm going to get to the other room and i'm going to find something in that room that's going to make me go oh i should probably do this too
1: yes. and i'm
0: never going to come back to the original
1: room. i love that you do that too i I've, I'm, like i said i've never mentioned it before and i'd always i've always thought it like does anybody else do that so I love yeah that you do that too
0: yeah, and I definitely I definitely think that's an ADHD thing because there's um <laughs> there's no logical rhyme
2: or reason
0: to it. It's it is a um it goes back to the you know the time saving thing. Mm. You're you're trying to save time also because you don't wanna put so much time into something you don't want to do that's a big thing yes
1: yes yes you're so right don't and you know we
0: my my wife and i actually we when i had my diagnosis it was like to get to my diagnosis was like a a big mental breakdown Mm. and then getting the diagnosis was like the aha moment and Uh oh okay well how can we work with this and we both like dove into like every book we could find and researching online, talking to people. And we were getting to like, look at all the different things. We're like, well, where, where do we have friction in our lives? That's really frustrating because it's the way I might do something and the way she might want something done because she's neurotypical. So very different worlds. Mm -hmm. And then she was like, I know you clean, but you don't clean the right way, which I totally understood. Like I, I can tidy up like, Mm -hmm. but it's tidying up for, um, not so much to make it pristine, but to make it functional.
1: Mm -hmm. Yes. (laughs) And and that's, and that's all we need.
0: Yes. It's life is functionality. And if you can make everything functional, you can function. I mean, that's. Mm -hmm. That's the logical pathway in the brain going, yeah. Uh, Cause if anyone looked at my desk, they would look around and be like, this is chaos. Why do you have this stuff everywhere? I'm like, well, this is my notes. This is my to-do list for today. This is where I have my, my wallet and my phone. So I don't forget them mm-hmm. because I know I put my hand there and that's where that will be. And, and like, I'll explain every little thing on the desk and you're like, well, why why can't i was like because that's just how it works
1: (laughs) and that's the thing when you say logical it's logical to us yes and i think that's one of like the big things that i really am trying to you know help people understand about adhd is the fact that just because it doesn't make sense to you and the way your brain works doesn't mean that it doesn't make sense to someone else's brain and none of them are actually the right way. Like there is no right way. I think we just really need to understand that everybody's brain is just so different and each ADHD brain is different. Every autistic brain is different. Like there there is not, yes, there obviously, you know, are a range of symptoms or, you know, struggles that we have, but it it doesn't define every single person and i think when you become just curious and accepting of every individual person as they are i think that's where you know real change is really going to happen because we're just you know accepting that everybody just is a little bit different and and that's okay but i don't know whether it is I don't know whether I think the next generation will be a lot better at this. I don't know whether it's our upbringing that was, you know, kind of almost this rigid that you know you have to do things this way, you have to think this way. This is the way things are are done. Uh, But uh, people really struggle with the fact that people's brains do work differently. It's, it's yeah, I, I don't know what that is. Like people really struggle with even wanting to understand it's almost like, no, that's the way that it is. Well, if you can't do it that way, then that's, you know, too bad. Uh, yeah. I, I, that actually makes me really angry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I feel like I've got a little bit of rage inside me as I'm talking about it.
2: Well,
0: it, it's, it, but it, it it's okay to feel that because it, it is, it's frustrating because we understand that mm. we, we do. Um, the older generations don't. I mean, I, I wrote my book and my, my mother actually read it and she's in her late seventies and she's like, wow, I finally feel like I understand you. I was like, oh, that's great to hear after 42 years. Like that's something that like, cause she knew she would I remember saying all these things to me, like, why can't you do this? Like, but you're so smart, but you can't, do this i was like yeah but i can do it this way
2: yeah
0: and hearing like the words like you're doing it wrong or that's not the right way to do it that would discourage me so i would just say well uh, oh well i'm just gonna go do my own thing then so like having her go through it and see like oh there's a struggle but (laughs) it still makes me laugh because my my mother this sweet old italian lady and Mm -hmm. You know, we were talking about this before I even uh, released the book, before I even started writing it, just about ADHD. And she was like, so I don't understand. And I'm just like kind of giving her small points of it mm-hmm. and like just talking to her about it because I've always been able to do that. And she's like, wow, that's, that's really interesting. And it's kind of strange. I'm like, yeah, you know, with the type that I have, it's not really noticeable in terms of like physical things like, but there's a lot of mental things that we do. that are very, it's very telling of what's going on. And she, and she's like, well, how did, how did you even develop this? I was like, most of the time it's genetic. And I'm looking at her and I'm like, and it's not you. And she's like, yeah. And just like out of a movie, we, we turn and look at my father, who was in this conversation as well. And he's just staring off at the wall, like not paying attention. I'm like, I'm like, you see that? You see that right there? That is what it is. And she was just like, wait, did you say impulsive? I'm like, yes, impulsive actions. He's really bad with money. Just think of all the things that he's done. And in the 40 something years you guys have been married and the flags will start going up like but but he's another one that you would never know there's no hyperactivity he's very quiet he doesn't talk much he's hyper intelligent yes but (laughs) there's a lot of little tidbits where you're like oh this makes so much more sense now (laughs)
1: yeah and can i ask Because i, I find this interesting since your mum has um found out and understood that probably your dad has it too has it changed like their relationship or has it changed the way that she um maybe not they're probably too far gone but does you know does is there more i don't know understand does she treat him differently or does she kind of you know stop something before you know what i'm trying to say like yeah. has, has that changed or is it kind of yeah no we're too old now it's, it is yeah. what it is.
0: yeah it, it's basically it is what it is like she she has that understanding but she still gets so mad at.
1: <laughs> uh, and look you probably you probably would after all that time anyway <laughs> um, it's probably just like a inbuilt mechanism defense mechanism now well, for her anyway yeah.
0: But it makes me laugh, like, ever since my diagnosis, every time I would go visit them, like, my mother would be in the kitchen. She goes, why is there a screwdriver in with the silverware? (laughs) And I was just like, aha, like, this makes sense now, because you would always find stuff like that around the house. And he's like, I put it there because it'd be easy to find it.
1: Has he, does he, like, understand that he's got it or, like, kind of accept that he's got it? Or is he kind of like, oh, no, no, I don't know what you're talking about.
0: Uh, you know, he, he, um, he's a man of few words and he acknowledges that I have it and that he might, he, cause he's read the book or, or at least skimmed through it. Um, mm-hmm, yeah. and I think he, he, uh, acknowledges like some of the parts of like, yeah, no, I do a lot of this. Um, but he won't admit it, admit it. He won't be yeah. like, yeah, you know, this is something I'm doing, but because, yeah. I mean that—that's just in his nature. He's, um, hmm. yeah, you know, yeah. He was born and raised in Germany. He's a very yeah. you know, old country, Eastern Bloc type person. Like,
1: yeah. okay.
0: So there's the the emotion and feelings thing is, it's there sometimes, but most of the time it's not.
1: Yeah. And uh, yeah. I understand so that.
0: he he hides it, but I I, I always I always laugh because now I, you know, go back to remembering all the things he did and how he would have things set up around like in the basement for for tools and and doing certain things certain ways I'm like this all makes more more and more sense now
1: Yeah, it's amazing (laughs) isn't it
0: it really it really is you know um, and I I kind of you know I was obviously mentioning my book now I wanted to get to this because this is something you didn't write a whole book which is I wish I would took this route the first time (laughs) time, actually probably would have been a a lot less stressful so how did you how were you I don't even know how to phrase this like how were you approached or did you approach or what group got together and said we're gonna write a book
1: Mm. so yeah so I wrote a chapter in Mm -hmm. a collaborative book so it was actually a independent publisher here in australia that came up with the concept so the book is called unity and the byline is um, a tapestry of story um, to spark belonging connection and liberation and so with that premise they then put it out there for submissions and it's funny how the universe works because i just randomly stumbled upon this page from clicking on somebody else's um, post that I was looking at because I have started writing a a total different book and I was looking at, uh, you know, publishers. Again, a whole different world, no idea what I'm doing. And so, you know, this publisher, I was like, okay, I'm just going to go look on there. And literally I think the post was like 10 minutes old when I looked at it basically calling for these submissions. And I read it. I was like, that sounds exactly like me. And I just went straight on in there, did my submission. It was just a very, you know, small kind of paragraph um, on what you would write about and why you would want to do it. I just did it, done. Mm-hmm. And didn't even think about it. Impulsivity for you. <laughs> and then I, um, you know, maybe a week or so later got an email back saying that I was, um, you know, they were taking my submission and I actually had to go back and lucky I saved it I had the (laughs) foresight to copy and paste what i wrote into this google form and save it somewhere so i could look at it later because i had zero recollection of what i actually wrote (laughs) (laughs) in this submission so um that's basically yeah what what happened obviously everybody submits something and obviously when the publisher they're curating the book they they need the stories obviously to somehow work together Um, they can't you know be totally different so My chapter uh, is called Happily Ever After, A Work in Progress, which is about me deciding to leave my marriage and then discovering I also had ADHD all at the same time. Just, you know, throw a couple of big (laughs) life-changing events all together and see what happens. (laughs) And so that was my chapter. But then there's also chapters um, within there. There's, um, you know, pregnancy loss, um, dating um, as an older woman, there is, you know, a bit of an eat, pray, love kind of a, you know, story going and, you know, travelling and, and, you know, finding, you know, herself and spirituality. There's, uh, yeah, a lot of just different beautiful stories, all by women, um, that all come together. So Mm -hmm. it, um, it really is a lovely book having like a collaborative approach and um, I've seen a few um, people do it now and apparently it is the way uh, that a lot of people are writing books and publishing books now mm-hmm. and I know again for an ADHD brain when <laughs> you've almost got like small chapters it's almost easier to read, and I think because you you know that you're just reading a story that is going to be finished in a few pages, it it almost um, makes you want to read it, and then when you once you've finished it, you've almost like accomplished it, and you're like, oh, okay, well. Move to the next one. So it actually really is a nice way to read. And you can put yeah. it down whenever you want to because you don't really need to remember where you are up to um, when you start again because you've kind of finished a chapter and that's done and you've moved on to the next one. That
0: that's really interesting because you know I I've heard of like you know uh, collaborations on books where two authors will ta- two or three authors will tackle a book together in the whole overarching story but to have each chapter be uh, the voice of another writer mm. is amazing because mm. you 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 get these different perspectives and stories and obviously very personal because that mm. is. It's not just like, oh, I'm making up this this woman with ADHD decides to get a divorce. Now as a single mother, going going on about all of this. It's like, no, no, I'm I'm it's like, wow, this is a really you know a lot about this this character. I'm like, yes, I do. I know so much about this character. Yep. So, it's um it's it's really it's beautiful to 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 hear that too because it is a wider range uh, of stories and experiences from all these different viewpoints. And that's kind of, I like that in books more than anything, because it, it does feel like, Oh yes, they they all might be connected in some way, or there might be little tiny threads weaving through mm. the entire book, yeah. but to have those, those different um, perspectives is really uh, it's, it, it's more engaging to me. Mm,
1: definitely. There you go. Use that idea. Run with that.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, it's, it's even funny that you mentioned that because I was talking to the, um, he's the, like the CEO of, um, it's the men's ADHD support group uh, here oh, in wow. the U- US. I mean, they're international, but mm. their headquarters is in the U S and he loves, writing and they started having this weekly thing where they're getting together to kind of like brainstorm. So now Mm. I'm going to pitch him this idea because there's probably, I mean, the group has like 16,000 members, but the writers there's a couple dozen of us. So I, I feel like that could be a thing because we all have some very different experiences in life um, that connect all of us. So I, i'm i'm really interested in that so i obviously you didn't just go hey i'm I'm just gonna write this chapter and that's that's it i'm, I'm done i've done the thing what else have you been writing on or are or, or going to be writing or what's in the I was, I was about to say what's in the can which is a still Podfly. a phrase i, I never understand <laughs>
1: Let, yeah, we, we say pipeline here i don't yeah. know whether that's a yeah
0: it's, it's like the same thing and the, i think the can thing is is from the old like uh movie industry when all the film used to be in big cans ah. so like what what extra okay, stuff sense. do you have yeah. yeah so but when you say yeah, it out loud you're
1: rubbish. like it kind of sounds like the rubbish yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> funny where our brains go Yep. (laughs) Uh, So uh, writing for me, uh, uh, that's not a new thing, I suppose. Um, But career-wise for me, and I I don't know career-wise for you kind of what path you've travelled, but, you know, again, when you leave school, you know, you're told that you you choose your career path and you stick to that career path and, you know, that's how you become... (laughs) I oh to make man! <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, you you choose this career path, you stick to it. That's how you become successful. You know, that's what you got to do. So there's so much pressure. And I, um, during my last year of year twelve, we had to do our graduation. Um, you know, uh, breakfast. I think we did. And so I kind of really took on this. You know, organising events role and i loved it and i was like okay maybe that's you know a career path i could go down so i ended up uh doing a bachelor of communications uh which was in public relations and advertising but focused on the event side so that was what i did for quite a few years and i still dabble in it now um, because i i love that and interesting enough, and I'm going to digress as we do, that um, event management uh, apparently is actually like most ADHD people or Mm -hmm. people who organise events generally have ADHD because it is generally fast-paced, it's in with a timeline, there is a deadline, and also there's basically you follow the same steps to get to the end point But it's always different because it's a different event. And then you also get that dopamine hit of that rush of getting things done, you know, by a timeline. But then also the completion of it because let's face it, there's not a lot of jobs really where you are regularly completing something in full and you're getting Mm -hmm. that elation and that, um, you know, just feeling of accomplishment all the time and so when i read that somewhere it just made a whole lot of sense to me um and that's why i think i do love it still love it
0: that's actually it's it's really funny that that you you said that too i was like when somebody with adhd finds a job where it does get to the reward like of like completing something and actually finishing a task it's we kind of glom onto it, especially Mm. when it resonates with you. Mm. Um, Like, you know, uh, when I was choking on my water there for a moment, um, (laughs) how you said that, you know, you you know, we're 18 and we're told to to pick a career (laughs) that we're going to do our entire lives, which is. brains aren't even
1: developed fully yet. Like how can we (laughs) make that decision?
0: (laughs) So yeah, what it goes back to is, um, I went to school for graphic design because I knew that using computers to do design, like ad layout and all that fun stuff, was going to be the way to go. Um, little did I know that not only was it the way to go, uh, it, everyone else knew it was the way to go, too. <laughs> it was a very oversaturated uh, thing. Um, so I graduated and I like bounced around on different like side jobs and like working mm-hmm. in call centers, doing everything mm-hmm. to try to to land the graphic design job. And then I finally did after 10 years, I got a graphic design job working in radio um, of yeah. all places. And I was like, oh, this is great. And that first week I realized I hated graphic design. <laughs>
1: Ten years of trying to get
0: a job. <laughs> yeah, that, the the saving grace was, it was radio. So it was pretty fast paced. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a lot going on. There was deadlines everywhere for ad, you know, uh, for ad generation, for our websites and social media and, and everything and even print ads and all that mm-hmm. fun stuff. So I was always doing something, creating content, hitting, you know deadlines and doing all these things. And it was never the same because, yes. you know, uh, clients would come in, you know, they would buy time for, you know, the, for ad time ad space on our websites, all this fun stuff. So it was always something to do. And, but I, I loved it because during that time is what I found, what I really wanted to do. Um, and I kind of like stumbled into it. And that was, we had uh, an artist. It was like a mid tier artist. I can't remember. They were like just starting their career. So they weren't huge yet, but they still had a little following and we were doing an in studio uh, show. So they were going to play three songs, but they hadn't no one from our uh, promotion staff was going to be there to take the photos. So I said, well, I need photos because I handle all the online content. So let's do something. Let me grab a station camera.
2: Hmm.
0: I'll take photos and we'll just go with it. And I got called down to the office later that day, um, which sounds like I was in high school still, but <laughs> it, it was the market manager. And he goes, we can't use these photos. I'm like, what are you talking about? And he's like, these photos, you you can't, take somebody else's photos and throw them on our blogs i'm like what are you what are you even saying to me right now he's like remember our one dj used that one copyrighted photo from that photographer and it cost us a quarter million dollars i'm like yeah he's like well you can't do it with these photos i was like i took those photos what are you talking about he's like you you took these photos i'm like yeah like the station owns them he's like those are our photos i'm like yeah you (laughs) he's like this is amazing i'm like huh
1: when someone underestimates you <laughs>
0: <laughs> but that was like the the first little twinkling wow. in my head that goes photography hmm. and then you fast forward you know 12 years now um and took a very strange road in photography where everyone's like oh you do weddings no do you work with I started in commercial photography, hated that, um, but I do pet photography is like oh, what I'm known for. I was yeah. actually in uh, the my first published photos were all of my pug.
2: Oh, <laughs> gorgeous!
0: So it was um it was an interesting path, and I love that I got to do that, um, and I still get to do that, and it's something that people go like well you, you have adhd now that you have adhd do you realize that like you were just doing for i was like no i'm doing photography because i love photography
2: It up. St- well.
0: yeah i still get that feeling every time i pick up the camera yeah. I, no matter what and
2: i love
0: that it's i found it only in a few things in life writing was one i've always written i have Tons of notebooks is filled with just sm- small smatterings of creative words. And mm-hmm. Google, my Google docs is a nightmare to, to parse through because <laughs> there's thousands of Google docs mm-hmm. just filled with things, including the original draft of my book was split up into 20 different docs to, to come over each part.
1: Yeah.
0: But you know, it's, it's when we find these things that uh, that really that feed that 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 need for dopamine since we are dopamine mm-hmm. starved it's like mm-hmm. oh this is it like this is actually it and uh, people go how do you know it's it and i was like hm, 10 years later i'm still doing it mm. uh, any other little thing i'm like oh this is this is this is a really cool thing I love it and then 3 days later I'm like, ah, "Kid, what? Why did I love that? Like what was I doing? Like it was new and shiny. The yep. shiny object syndrome there."
1: Yeah, totally. And it's funny how um just uh, as you were talking then um, where my brain was going, but it's like when you have ADHD, there's this need to express, like, you know, all of these things that we've been talking about, it's about expression, photography, writing, even events, you know, to an extent. It's an expression of ourselves. Um, And I've been just wondering while you were talking then, like, is that because we do feel things very deeply because we have so many ideas there is so much going on in our head that that expression is a way of you know getting all of that out Um, or is it because or maybe also because we have been uh you know living most of our lives not being able to express who we really are we've been trying to hide versions of ourselves or try and be someone else uh and so n- we've been trying to find ways that are socially acceptable to express i don't know mm. a little nugget of yeah. something that was just yeah jumping around in it, my head
0: yeah no i i think i think you you're on to something with, with because we, we do feel things so deeply in amplified uh oh, whether yeah. it's from things like uh, our emotion our problems with emotional you know dysregulation mm-hmm. and, and like the rejection sensitive dysphoria mm-hmm. like all, all the all the little side fun things of ADHD <laughs> that we get you know that that people just think oh ADHD oh you forget things no it goes so deeper
2: than mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. Cool <laughs> but
0: <thing>. yeah <laughs> but you know i i think that area of of since we do feel things so deeply and they are so amplified like being able to express through uh, any form of art or any form of creation like where you are in control of creating like creating an event is i know event coordinators like they that I do not envy that position at all. It's a lot of work to do a lot of stuff Mm. for everyone to have a good time, like whatever the event is, because if the event coordinator messes up, everything can be Mm. messed up. Mm -hmm. So I think like uh, us being able to really connect and actually like be vulnerable and be able to, feel through the entire process it it's probably you know i i think it's probably why we we do these things in general is because it is that that it's the safer way to be vulnerable
2: yeah it's it's with,
0: mm-hmm. without sitting down and telling somebody to be like oh i had a hard life and things that i did and this is what happened where you can i can pick up a camera and and see something and feel like that's the feeling that I have and take a photo of it, show it to somebody, and they're like, Man, that makes me feel sad. I'm like Mm
2: -hmm. yes
0: (laughs) because I was sad. So I took this photo and now you get to feel that. (laughs) But yeah, I I think that I think that's a that might be the correlation there. It's like this safe way to be vulnerable in Mm. Because even being a creative in in any form, there's still a lot of vulnerability and you can, quote unquote, get hurt Mm. um, in the process. But it's not like just like opening your heart and just letting it all pour out. You know, it's it's there's there's a small shield in front of you where it just might be on the page or it might be on a canvas or it might be it. There's like more than two steps away from you. Yeah. Uh, that the final outcome is so yeah I I think that's really interesting
1: yeah it is see this is why I love you know we we start talking about one thing and then all these these other little ideas and things branch out but that's also why I love being able to just have a chat with people and you know I know that that is a um generally an ADHD trait uh is being able to have just, you know, a conversation, a random conversation, whether it's a stranger or someone you know, but not just having that small talk, you know, just being able to go that little bit deeper and explore, you know, these random ideas or random concepts that come into our mind because that is, I think, where all of the good stuff is. That's where... Uh, you know, we're breaking barriers of thought or of the way things should be done. Yeah, it's just that <laughs> that exploring other ways of doing things or, yeah, it's, oh no, I, I love it. I just, I really love it. And I love that as people are getting diagnosed more and more and they are feeling like they can, for once in their life, be their authentic selves and that takes a really long time like that's not something that happens overnight as i'm sure you know it yeah. you know it's a <laughs> lot of a lot of work but you get there and you start finding other people you know like yourself that have gone through that process and that journey and we accept that of ourselves and each other and then we just love being able to have these conversations that you probably wouldn't have been able to have otherwise. And who knows where those conversations and ideas will lead to. Like, it's just, it's amazing to think about it.
0: Yeah, it it really is. And I always find that really interesting too, like what you said about like having conversations, like the conversations that you might have with just sometimes a stranger Like at a, even like at an event or just on the street. And I, I always, I've had this demeanor my whole life where people are always very comfortable around me and they're always willing to talk to me because they know one, for some reason I, I, I listen, which is strange for somebody with ADHD to say, but it's true. It's like, I, 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 I like hearing people's stories and I like hearing what they're going through Um, because I do have a lot of empathy. Like it's something that we, we uh, are blessed or cursed with um, being super empathetic. And like, I, I have this, this wonderful feeling that like, if you can just sit there and listen to somebody and talk to them, even if you don't know them, even if you're never going to see them again
2: mm. and
0: have just that, genu- that genuine conversation with them, mm-hmm. it's a positive impact. It's a positive change in the world Definitely. because most people won't get that out. They won't talk to somebody about whatever's on their mind at the time and or about something that might, they might be passionate about. Like They just won't talk about it and to give somebody that option is is it feels good
1: (laughs) well it's connection like isn't it it's just being able to connect with someone on a deeper level because i think that's what we all you know want and we all crave and um that connection doesn't have to necessarily be with somebody that you already know it can be yeah some random person in the supermarket yeah on the street, on a bus, that you just have this yeah moment with, or this conversation with, and it it impacts you, um, and you feel connected yeah with another human being on a yeah on a total different level. It's it's lovely, but not everybody also does feel that depth either. Yeah. People are like, oh, well, that's that's weird, you know. But <laughs> those who get yeah. it, they get it.
0: Yeah, they they definitely do now. in beyond what you do, obviously, you you have a a lot. Just just like most people with the age, you have a, a wide thing of things that you <laughs> that you do. Um, you also explore the aspect of coach because uh, coaching is super important. Like I live for coaches. Like it's important to have that in your life. What what made you? <laughs> probably going to tie into what we just talked about what what made you um pursue that like to actually help people in that capacity
1: so obviously we went off track earlier um with my my career path but uh, with the events and things obviously I was writing anyway um kind of as part of that you know media releases and all that kind of a thing Um, And it's kind of time has gone on, uh, you know, and I think around the time as well that I did, um, you know, separate from my husband and learn about ADHD, just writing in my journal and writing in general uh, was something that I did. And then I um, started just writing um, like articles and I've had a few articles uh, published uh, online and then, obviously, as I started talking about my ADHD more openly, uh, especially on social media, I had so many people contacting me privately. And it's funny, a lot of people don't contact you publicly, like won't comment publicly. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, um, privately, they would get into contact with me and um, just really resonate with my posts and start asking, you know, more questions and I think because um, getting a diagnosis for ADHD is—it's overwhelming and uh, it's not, as we said before, not ADHD friendly. Um, I came up, you know, with this concept of helping people through getting a diagnosis, and I don't have, you know, any coaching experience whatsoever other than my own lived experience and I feel like I have gone through that, I've gone through the ups and the downs, you know, and so I, I felt I had something to give to other people um, through my lived experience and so I started, um, you know, doing a bit of that, having just, a you know, a couple of online sessions going through with everyone individually because, Again, individually, we all struggle with different things. It presents very differently. And so, yeah, I just started doing that to help them through getting a diagnosis. But it's funny, through even doing that, I don't really do much of the coaching anymore. Um, it was kind of a, a bit of a, a short-lived thing. I really want to do more of it, but being that empathetic, deep thinking person, I found that doing that one-on-one with someone was actually really draining for me. Um, I loved being able to help them and, you know, I know I've helped a lot of people and I'm still in contact with a lot of people that I have helped so I've become friends even. But I thought initially that that would be something that would be a great career path for me fits in with you know the kids I can do it from home um because working for someone no way Jose anymore (laughs) Uh, a lot of ADHD people I think can uh definitely relate to that but I realized that that wasn't going to be sustainable for me um doing that one-on-one coaching all the time so I, I I kind of stopped and took a a step back and um, have concentrated more on my writing, which is you know where the opportunities come up with this book. And I have been writing um, more articles and want to keep writing more articles. I just uh, started a Medium and a Substack account. Don't exactly entirely still know <laughs> what they do, what they can do for me, but I've heard they're good, so I'm just gonna go with it. <laughs>
0: I, I'm I'm with you. on. I've had a sub stack now for a year. And I, I think I wrote it in a couple of times. I was like, I'm gonna hold off on this because this is this seems like a lot for me.
1: <laughs> yeah, I still I still need to do a bit of research on it. But, you know, I, I think uh, I, I do love the coaching, I still want to do more of it. But I think I really need to um, only do it specific times of the year. Only you know for a couple of people, um, you know for a few sessions, and just really be mindful of how I'm doing that. Yeah. Uh, but I think the writing, because I can do that, you know, in my own time, and I can put it down and come back to it, and um, and I can still reach people. And also speaking, that's something else that I would really love to do more of. You know, speaking at events, um, you know, doing more videos because, again, it's not um, that one-on-one where you are being drained, um, you know, through kind of like, you know, your energy and that person's energy. When you're doing it, it's like a a group setting where a lot of people are getting it at one time, still exhausting, (laughs) but... I don't know, it's a, it's, it's a different, I think the interaction um, is more that one-sided. So you're kind of giving of the energy. You're not always kind of like taking on someone else's as well. Um, yeah. But again, something I've learned. It's an awareness that I never had before and I'm learning as I go.
0: That's uh, and that's what we do best is learning as we go. Um, mm-hmm. you know, before we do wrap up, you know, you, you kind of started to, to answer the question I always give out to people at the end here. Mm-hmm. Um, because going through everything that you went through and getting to where you are today, the future is is wide open. So where do you see yourself not in any time frame because I hate putting time frames on things, but where yeah. are you going in the future with everything that you do?
1: Yeah. It's funny, a few people have asked me that recently. And I, where I am right now, if somebody had told me four years ago, um, when I was struggling in my marriage, questioning, you know, is this where I want to be? Am I happy? Who am I? I'm not happy. And knowing all of the things that I wanted to do in my life that I was capable of doing in my life, if somebody had said, yeah, that where I would be right now, I would be like, uh, no, I don't even see how that could even be possible. Yeah. And yet here I am. And I'm really proud of myself that I'm literally doing everything on my own I am achieving the things that I want to achieve like being a published author like speaking to people like you on on podcasts and connecting and sharing our stories and helping other people um that ultimately is what I want to do and I um I I was a podcast a long time ago that was, um, you know, talking about, you know, like an affirmation um, that you set for yourself and you say to yourself, um, you know, daily. And the one that, you know, my memory is bad. And so I sometimes forget what this kind of (laughs) mantra affirmation is and I'll, you know, forget it for months (laughs) and then it'll come back again. But I've been saying it for years um, and probably yet yeah, more than four or five years and that is I'm making my mark, earning a certain amount of money, making a difference, doing something that I love. Mm-hmm. and And ultimately that is w- what I want for myself. I just want to make a difference to people while earning money, to be able to you know provide a good life for me and my children but loving what I'm doing you know making that money and right now I'm not entirely sure you know what path that will be but uh writing will definitely be involved I you know like I said before I have started writing another book which is actually uh about dating and Um, having ADHD and how that all kind of (laughs) intertwines. It's a a bit of a ah, mind-boggling thing. Uh, But, yeah, doing more writing, more speaking, podcasts, just, yeah, um, doing just other kind of creative things, just doing all the little things that make me happy, that make my brain um, happy and yeah and money while I do it hopefully
0: yeah well yeah now, the money part's always important for us because <laughs> sometimes we forget um that uh we should be making some <laughs> money doing yes. these things and
1: that's hard it's really hard to yeah because we just love doing what we do but yeah
0: yeah I I'm 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 with you on that I mean and that's the, yeah that's a sentiment that I always say too it's like it, it's for me that being uh, of service to others of some way uh, mm-hmm. knowing that i'm helping them there's something about that feeling that just it, it trumps all the other ones it's mm-hmm. like it's really tough to to describe to most people because they're like well i don't understand and I, and i always and I, I always mention this story because it's really it's important of knowing that i was doing the right thing <clears throat> i wrote my first draft of my book and i sent it to my editor who i uh i went through the uh it's the site Readsy. they it's basically just to find an editor um mm-hmm. an independent editor <clears throat> and the person that i found i looked i was just like oh i sent out this this little thing to a whole bunch of people but the editor i chose Happened to be autistic with Mm -hmm. uh, her husband also has uh, ADHD. So I was like, well, this is kind of like the universe is throwing out this giant sign. Like, hey, hey, don't worry about those other editors. Look at this one. And I handed over my uh, first draft to them and to her and she was going through it. And I got my notes back, and it was awesome. I was excited seeing all these notes, very detailed, like things where I could like expand on, and maybe I don't need this, and this is great. But it was like halfway through the book, and then all of a sudden, there was a batch of notes that was just like, "I've never thought about doing this before. I've we're going to start implementing this in our daily routines." And I was looking, I was like. That's a weird note. I was like, "What's that attached to?" I was like, "Oh, this was the thing that I did with post-it notes and like putting things up on the mirror in the morning, like in the bathroom, so you can kind of have a visual reminder right in front of your face, so you Mm -hmm. can't. There's no like going blind to it. It's just it's there. (laughs) Yeah. And I was like, and then I stopped for a second. I was like, I just I help. The book's not even out yet. The draft's not even done. Like, yes." and I helped somebody and I felt like this warmth. I was like, okay. I need more of this. Yeah. So doing the right thing here, but I'm, I'm with you in that sentiment. And, and I, I try not to, to make sure, like when I ask that question too, it's like, I don't want you to, to limit it because there's some people that just think that like, Oh, I have to do this. I'm like, I know that, for me, the future it includes podcasting, photography, and writing. Hmm. Yep, I know that's what it includes. How much money I make? I know I'm going to make money,
2: hmm.
0: and that that's the important thing. I see everything growing, but I'm not going to be like, "Well, I'm going to write five books, and each book is going to." I'm like, "No, I, I can't do that. I can't do that to myself." Cause I know what happens if I set up those expectations and all of a sudden that dream dies. Mm-hmm. That's just, that's always been that thing. Yeah. But I, I find it interesting too. Um, before we kind of wrap up here, um, what you said about the, the coaching aspect, because having a coach fantastic for me, coaching has been a topic that has come up multiple times for me, like, Oh, why don't you coach people? And I think you actually gave the best explanation as to why I'm, I was been so gun shy to go into that, because that is a lot of energy that I don't know if I have that capacity to do. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: like, without yeah. knowing, mm. Yeah.
0: And it's like, I, I could do the speaking thing that that'd be fine. Like going up in front of a, you know, I have never had issues with that. So I I could, or going in a group setting or, but to actually like be there in that capacity for somebody that is looking for that kind of guidance and not saying I couldn't give that, it just would take a lot. Mm -hmm. And I think it's beautiful that that you started to recognize too you're like hey this is actually like this is emptying my tank really fast
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. but and that's what it comes down to is like what i said before it's the awareness and i think that is one thing um you know when people are deciding whether they want to get a diagnosis or not and this could go off somewhere else so i'll keep it short but that is the one thing that i think when you do get a diagnosis it is definite you know you have adhd it makes sense there's no questioning about it and then that almost just takes this pressure off of just not being confused by yourself anymore you now have this awareness and so when you do something you can then be like, okay, like, is that ADHD? Or is that this? And that was for me, I, you know, I had a bit of an identity crisis, you know, around questioning, is it my ADHD? Is it my personality? Who am I? Uh, And I actually wrote um, an article uh, about it on Mamma Mia, which is an an Australian um, online kind of uh, news website. So yeah, go have a look at that. But it, when you have this awareness of yourself and you then can be like yes that is adhd and okay well is that an issue for me do i need to change something how how can i make that work better um why am i feeling this way how you know is this working for me i think just knowing and understanding yourself and having that awareness just makes everything so much easier and you can stop doing the things that aren't working for you, or you can implement something else or try something that might work better. And I think that is just so good for us who have ADHD where our brains just don't like being fixed in in yeah. you know, in any way, that we can be a bit more kind of fluid and we can just make adjustments yeah as we go to make it work for us not for everybody else in our lives for us that's
2: ah oh,
0: perfect i love i love that so much because it's true we got to make it work for us cuz that's that's what really matters
2: mm-hmm.
0: all right before we go i always have every every guest comes on to they have to tell me where they can be found online. So uh, I, it's in the show notes, it's in the introduction, but I like hearing it from my guest's mouth, like directly.
1: Yes. So I have a website, Anita at, sorry, Anita.com.au. I'm about to give you my email address. <laughs> uh, AnitaCarr.com.au. And the website started off by being information about adhd all in one place because i found that there was so many little bits of information um, in lots of different places so on there i've you know got how the steps of how to get a diagnosis in australia supplements that help uh, you know strategies uh, talking to your children you know so that they understand it um, the website It has also got bits of my writing and it is going to kind of, you know, develop and and grow as we go along. Uh, But then social media, Anita underscore car, C-A-R-R, is my Instagram and that is where I share lots of, yeah, different things about ADHD, my writing, funny things, uh, relatable things. So that's probably, yeah, the best place to, uh, yeah, connect and interact and learn some things
0: all right fantastic i i i i really can't thank you enough for for coming on and um it's been a it's been a pleasure talking to you today and um and to everyone out there listening you know what i'm gonna say but i'm gonna say it anyway because i have to remind everyone you are not alone don't forget that just there's people like Anita out here and there's people like me We're we're out here to, to let you know, you're not alone. There's ways through it. So thank you everyone. And I will see you in the next step see you in the next episode. <laughs>